Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 37 of the How We See Things podcast. I am your co-host, it's my next, and I'm here with Dan. Dan, how you doing? Hello, hello, everyone. Yeah, I'm good. I'm not too bad, not too bad. Um, another another month of the year has come, so it's gone quite quickly. <laughs> oh, and yeah. yeah, it's been a, quite an interesting um, last week or so. I felt um, like March was really slow, though. I don't know if you yeah. felt the same way. I agree, I actually agree. Yeah, Yeah, no, March was quite slow. It seemed like it took quite some time. Um, But yeah, there are months like that. Let's see what April has has in store for us. Yeah, no, I mean, so the the month ended with kind of a bang. Um, Donald Trump, you know, for for those who hate Trump, depending on the level of hatred you have for Trump, you, you know, wanted to see him from from anything from falling down the stairs to having a gaff on TV to possibly being behind bars, um, and you know those of you who share the behind bars fantasy, um, you got one step closer to seeing your dreams come true. Um, that doesn't mean that you know you're actually truly close to seeing your dreams come true, but you're one step closer because Trump was indicted in Manhattan um, for campaign finance related. Um, you know, violations related to his payment to Stormy Daniels. Stormy Daniels being an ex-ponster, um, Trump had sex with her at some point and paid her, I think, $150,000 to keep it silent. Um, now, I think there are some further implications in the sense that they might have forged the books to kind of cover up what that payment was. And so, like, you know, the Manhattan DA is indicting um, um, Trump on it. Now, the legalese, from everything I've heard so far, it's a novel theory of the law. Um, the Manhattan DA is reaching and, you know, might not be able to actually prove it, um, which brings up, you know, the the real questions, I guess, that have to do with the indictment, um, yeah. which is that, like, whether or not, you know, politically and for the social stability of the country, whether it's good for... Um, you know, Trump to be indicted. Um, I guess I, that's, that's kind of where I want to start from. Do you do you, do you agree with people who say, for prudential reasons, Dan, um, that you shouldn't indict Donald Trump, even if he has committed a crime? Well, I think obviously, like laws are there for a reason. Um, purely from a moral point of view, I don't think it's right that a super wealthy, super influential individual is somehow exempted because of, you know some sort of political ramification from facing the law. He did something wrong. He broke the law, application of the law, whatever, that will be decided by the judge. But I'd assume that for charges to be brought, he has the, the, the bar's been met for that crime that he's alleged to have committed. Now, I mean, so, I mean let's, let's try to steal one now, you know. So if, if the president stole... No, wait, wait. No, no, no. If, if, if you go for, like, people. some ice cream... Okay. Yeah, this is the thing. So obviously, there's the political answer, and the the view is it's not a great look to have a former president being charged with anything. So, from well, a practical not, not just that now that depending on what the crime is, that this crime is not so in in Watergate, for example, where you had the president actually orchestrate um, the criminal breaking and entry of the opposition parties, like you know, um, headquarters. Um, and all the you know suppression of evidence that they try to do, leaning on the agencies and all that. When you have that level of like you know criminality, yeah, sure. But as was the case with like even like, even Bill Clinton, like you had sex in the Oval Office, like scandal. Even though that's not what he was, you know, impeached for. But, yeah. but for this one, it happened before Trump was president. He was, I think, like you know, decades ago. It was yeah. litigated in the election, and he was still voted for. Um, it, it's actually a federal charge, and he was investigated for it. He was named as an unindicted co-conspirator when Michael Cohen went to. So, like this stuff has already been like been out there in public, and actually indicting him for it. So, like it's not that like just any crime that a president commits, he should go to jail for. Um, wh- where the prudential question comes in is you have to kind of weigh the seriousness, I guess. Um, so the president is not above the law per se, but he floats. You know, he's not above it, but he he can float no, around. I don't think it's well. When you say floats, that's just a that's a kind of fancy way of of saying that it's not nice in terms of a look for the country if a president or former president is charged. 
the the point of oh it was years ago it it's was, more than it just being not nice so like i mean to, to be able to govern the country you need to have like I, I will guess to... he's not your president though. and i think ultimately this is the point i do actually think that this is playing into the hands of trump um in respect of any possible future republican party nomination um but as an aside just asking the question that you asked me i think that there's a point to be made about the law and how it's applied because um i know that even in america there's this opportunity when the if it's like some sort of civil or federal whatever allowing him time to decide when he's going to come into custody as well is another interesting point but i know that that happens in america as well um but i think ultimately there's a question as to whether this is the charge being brought at the wrong time. And I think this is a point that I wanted to make specifically. We know that it's going to be Trump versus DeSantis, essentially, for that Republican Party ticket. I don't know and, if you know that anymore right now, but go on. Yeah, I mean, obviously, in a sane climb, this would eliminate Trump, wouldn't it, really? In in, cleaner, in saner climbs. But the 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 kind of alternative universe that we've lived in since 2015 uh, 2014 i should say this idea where trump telling the truth about what he has done in the past somehow emboldens him stronger or him coming out with something that he has done wrong that he then gets exposed for but he taking the flack for it somehow emboldens him against his base and i think the base is the key point here um, when the Republican nominations, whoever is in the final ballot is, it will either include Trump or someone that he has endorsed. That's kind of been the trend in, in the Republican politics latterly. This arrest is only going to embolden his base. Um, I don't think that those who are going to vote for Trump or those who might have been inclined to vote for Trump will somehow be put off because of this. And I think ultimately, from a tactical point of view, Again, the law is the law. The DA of the local area that did this did what he did. The police who are carrying out this, that's their decision, right? There might be some sort of political time of attack, but I don't think it's going to, I don't think it's going to affect him against. I, 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 I think somewhere, somewhere in there is a bit of a contradiction. And, you know, I, I was, as I was asking the question, the way I asked is, and the the very points you made about the reaction of Trump's base, I think, is why there needs to be a prudential consideration when you are charging Trump, because the alternative universe, the alternative alternative like world that they exist in, is one in which they are they are constantly being persecuted by what they see as a deep state, and you know East Coast liberal they they would call them George Soros funded um, um, district attorneys who are going after Trump who have been going after Trump since the Mueller investigation, blah, blah, blah. So this is just one more thing in the long line of, of you know, persecution that Trump has been facing. Um, and so in light of that, any Justice Department who is looking at charges towards Trump has to consider, I think, the political landscape that they exist in. And so if you're coming with a case, your case has to be airtight. You understand? You cannot. So even if you grant that, no matter what, Trump's people feel a certain type of way. Um, you have to come with an airtight case. You know yeah. the saying of when you come at the king, um, you best do me. So that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. The contradiction is somewhere there. So you, you can't see on one hand that you know the law is the law, and you must. But at the same time, you cannot arrest the president for jaywalking. Um, yeah, you understand? No, I, you, I, you have I, to. You know, that's very thing. Yeah, jaywalking. Let's put jaywalking on one side of the spectrum, and let's put, um, let's say, some sort of illegal fraud of using state funds on the other side. I don't want to use any capital crimes or yeah. So let's use that as two two objects, you know, opposite sides of a particular. Um, what's the word? Um, Help me out on both sides. They're on opposite sides. Political parties. Or no, 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 like those two of the spectrum. That's what I was mm. Thank you. Now, where does paying hush money um, to an adult performer 
Where does that rank? Um, probably not just not, not just paying hush money, paying hush money, lying about it on your forums, doctoring yeah. your books, all that kind of stuff. I um, think that's somewhere near like a third of the way in from jaywalking. I think it's fairly. I would say that a normal person would be fairly afraid of that. Like they would, they true, would expect true. to do federal time. Let's in, um, let's use American parlance. Sure, so, no, yeah. They expect to do maybe five to seven. I don't, I don't know the sentencing guidelines, but it sounds fairly. You know, I've heard of a lot of like white collar criminals, for example, that go to all these cushy jails for like five mm. years or some sort of like books, doctoring books and stuff. So I think that's somewhere you know some sort of collusion, blah blah blah. So. Let's say it carries some minor custodial sentence. When I say minor, it's not minor, but like let's say three to five years, something like that. I think that's a fairly, you know, that probably rules you out of, in terms of dishonesty, if you're thinking of a lot of careers, that rules you out of taking up a lot of jobs when you come out. You become a felon. Am I am I correct? Like I'm talking yeah, about a normal, a normal individual now. Obviously. No, you're you're correct. A normal person might feel my face yeah. jail time for this. Yes, that is However, true. And I think this is the caveat here is like, this is an individual that lives in a post-truth society. He created, he's created this bubble, this world that he's dragged millions of Americans into, whether rightly or wrongly. There are lots of people that actually agree with Trump that things like this should not matter, even before he was president. And I think that's very, that's an accurate thing to say. Like he had created this kind of version of alternative history of alternative present of like you said the state versus the man the individual versus the state lib a counter liberalism you know approach where yeah. don't believe the current structures unless i tell you to believe believe what i tell you to believe essentially is I mean, the so, so it's more than let, let's not ascribe more to trump than you know he actually deserves i think since nixon you know, because with Nixon, what made the tide turn was that there were Republicans willing to go to the president and say, to say, hey, Mr. President, resign or we would impeach you. Um, but, you know, towards the end of the 90s, when the New Gingrich Revolution swept through Congress, um, the Republican rhetoric changed and Democrats went from the opposition in, in, in the House that was, you know, just had different views on taxation and government spending. Democrats went from that opposition to people who wanted to destroy America or people who hated our troops or people who hated, like, you know, traditional values, quote unquote, stuff like that. Um, so that, that persecution complex, you know, exists before Trump. And you have people who still have, like, you know, narratives about um, Nixon that blame the media, you know, and blame um, Woodward and, and um, what's the name of his other guy, Bernstein, Bernstein or something, I can't, I, Bernstein. Um, you know, for for making a bigger deal out of Watergate than needed to be. The one of the greatest conservative luminaries, Bill Buckley, you know, almost sort of died on that hill. Um, so, you know, you you it's not just a Trump phenomenon per se. The right wing, you know, it basically does not see a legitimate like you know, this this, this idea about conservatism that it exists of um some from foundational principles that there's a group of people you know, who the law binds um, but does not, you know, apply to. Um, but there are people who the law, you know, applies to, applies to but does not bind. Basically, mean, meaning that if, yeah, if, if you have, who have in practical terms, the law does not affect you. Yeah, yeah. so they, they, they see themselves as, you know, out of that. And so the victim <laughs> complex comes before Trump. This is just the latest example. Um, and, you know, the mere fact that this, I guess, like conventional wisdom that suggests that Trump you know, um, Trump will benefit from this arrest. The reason why is because of this this dynamic that I'm, that I'm describing, this dynamic where even DeSantis is forced to defend Trump. Even DeSantis, who is supposed to be opposing him, everyone yeah. who opposes Trump is forced yeah. to now defend him and speak on his behalf when their greater collective enemy, the left, you know, does something against Trump. That's why it's, it's really down to his benefit because Trump has tapped into not even necessarily like created, he has tapped into this grievance psyche. Um, and, and, and so like, I mean, it's... I think what, what is unique, your, everything you've said is not wrong. Um, I think the, what we need to do though is we do need to say that that wasn't harnessed before Trump in such a, an effective... Mm. And because let's be real, this guy was actually the 
45th, 46th president of America. Like, fifth. he he actually did it. He, he, he harnessed the power. Now, I would say COVID was what sunk Trump. Not, not any kind of democratic or democratic party or democrat, as you call them, kind of strategy. It was COVID that sunk Trump, really, if we're being honest. And mm. had that not happened, he would still be the president of the US. And if you look at it from the point of view of how the reaction has been to um, Biden and his performance, I think considering the way America works, considering the way the legislature is stacked and things like that, I think Biden's done relatively okay. You know, he's done decent for a first-term president. However, the narrative around him is not all that um, encouraging. No, it's not good at all. It's not particularly strong. And you have a Democrat party. We've talked about this before. They don't seem to know how to coalesce behind one individual. They don't seem to know how to be pragmatic. The ideology seems to rule first. There's, There's always bickering between factions. There isn't that solidarity. And if you look over at the Republicans, you could argue that, yes, they also... For a moment, in the last two to three years, they've had that for sure. But here's one man who, like you've rightly said, has really opened up that ideology for them and said they've seen it work for him. And like you say, even DeSantis has to kind of acknowledge that and has to be careful in this situation. He doesn't necessarily want Trump to go through a very rigorous process where somehow... Trump gets away with some sort of plea deal, I don't know how it works, or whatever, that will make Trump very, very difficult for him to handle. Because this is an individual that will then ride on the co- on the wave of, okay, here's this, like you said, previously litigated, quote-unquote, issue. Obviously litigated, obviously you were settled out mm-hmm, of court. Mm-hmm. I thought it was done with, but people have raised obsessions of it, you know, he will say, where's the evidence to show that I did the financial cookbook, you know, cooking elements of the charge, you know, um, this had nothing to do with my time as president, blah, blah, blah. So I think it's a tricky, it's a tricky football, really, um, from a political point of view, because short of the man actually going to jail, and obviously nobody wants to go to jail because your freedoms are impinged, you just physically cannot do certain things. So if he goes to prison, which again, it's just crazy to think a former president, um, how do we actually get there? But imagine a situation where I think ultimately the, the, the end game in some ways, isn't it about him not being allowed to run or something like that? Maybe? Yeah, so if, if, if he's a criminal in, and, and being a criminal means it could mean you take a plea deal and you're on house arrest for 30 days, it could mean you take a plea deal and you just acknowledge on paper that you committed this crime, but there's no actual consequences. Um, and being a criminal could mean you go to jail. Um, so the ideal for DeSantis and for any of the people who are running right now is for Trump to go to jail or to face some consequences where he is found guilty. Um, but for them to still be saying, oh, you know, it's too bad that Trump is disqualified. And, you know, it's too bad that, they, that they've you know, taken Trump out of the game. But I, Mr. DeSantis, I, Chris Christie, I, Mike Pence or Tim Scott or Nikki Haley, um, I am going to fight for you on Trump's behalf. Pence, um, you know, they're, they're, Pence has got no Yeah, time. no, they, 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 they would rather Trump be sent away by somebody else. Trump be dealt with by the DA in, in New York or in Georgia by somebody else, and then they can pay the victim, you know, on Trump's behalf and be like, you know, I wish Trump would still be here to fight for us, but Trump isn't, but I'm here to take up the mantle. Um, any scenario that that sees Trump becoming a martyr doesn't work for them, um, doesn't work at all for any of the Republican people um, um, that, are, that are running right now. So, you know, the politics of it are kind of like, and, and they, are, they are in a fucked up position because all that they can hope for is that Trump either shoots himself in the foot, either by virtue of the low-class lawyers that he, you know, hires around him, or by virtue of something he says. Um, but, you know, they cannot bring themselves to criticize Trump because the nature of the movements would not allow for any sort of, like, Trump criticism. So yeah. even if you are running in the primary against Trump, you cannot say that Trump is bad. The, the, the best that they can come up with now, the Republicans who oppose Trump within the party, is that Trump cannot win. That by through some odd combination of some unspeakable forces, Trump doesn't have what it takes to win. 
Um, but they're not, they're not able to articulate anything wrong, you know, with, with the just, Trump just, Yeah, I, I think the Republicans really, in a way, they almost just need to swallow their pride because, you know... Swallow their pride in one sense. I'm not advocating for them. Honestly, if the guy, if the guy is martyred, you know, in a way where it's like you need whoever is going to win has to be anointed by him because we still know that and you can tell from the flavor of the country and the way certain votes have gone in certain local votes. Trump's still very much in places. I'm not talking where it's Democrat versus Republican. Where it's a Republican situation, there were still places where his anointed candidates won. Obviously, there were places where they lost, but that was against there them. There were lots of places where there were lots of places where they lost. If it's a Republican, Republican in-house battle, any contestant against him has to be, like you said, very, very careful because the path they've gone down now is the path of a strong man. They've, they've, they've taken on this individual identity type of politics where Trump determines the kind of moral barometer of the party, essentially. They're trying to move away from that. Or lack thereof. Or lack thereof, as it may be, as the case may be. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what 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 happens of of this? Um, yeah, no. So it, 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 it will. Um, it will be interesting to see because the 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 DA from Manhattan, Alvin Bragg, he's either about to become a legend or the biggest fool that there ever was. Um, because they're saying when you go for the king, you best not like you best not miss. Um, exists for a reason, and you know you would expect that his case would be airtight. And that there will be no sloppiness. Um, so any such thing, any excuse, any reason he gives the Trumpers to, you know, have something against him, he's already been seen as a George Soros. You know, they're referring to him as a George Soros DA. People are already bringing up talking points about how, you know, there's also all sorts of crime that goes on in New York that currently isn't being addressed, but that this is what they're focusing on. You know, this this crime is a is a technicality, um, and you know, in politics. The actual legal facts of the matter, the merits of the issue might not count so much as how people feel. Um, oh. And as far as they're concerned, like, you know, this would be, um, these are trumped up charges, basically. Oh, um, and, yeah, no, just use the point. Yeah, that's going to be the title of this episode as well. Because speaking of, because speaking of trumped up charges, um, we are seeing the, the propaganda and, you know, the full might of APC coming to full force, basically. Um, and, and this, let me just lay out like, you know, the, the landscape as, as I see it, Peter B was able to embody, you know, the mass frustration, um, the mass desire for change in Nigeria. Um, Peter B became synonymous with, you know, good, good, good governance, humility, good behavior. And APC became, you know, synonymous in people's minds with corruption, suffering and everything that was going on in Nigeria. So right. in, in the political landscape, like you know, in, in addition to um in addition to whatever I guess like mobilization um that you know um Peter B was doing, APC also had to contend with this image that was brought up um basically. And you know, in the aftermath of the election, um they have been trying their possible ways. You know, you know, I mentioned it to you that what Peter B was doing initially by keeping quiet, waiting for the petition. All of that, it was good, but 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 at the same time, there's a vacuum to be felt. Yeah, um, and 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 his weakness basically, you know, can, can be taken advantage of. And so we, we saw in the release of office petition, we saw you know some more aggressive statements by Obi Dati. Sorry, by by Dati, the vice presidential candidate. Um, that led to a counter response from you know Labour Party, um, APC, yeah. the petition, the DSS. To arrest, you know, Peter B and and um, Dati for incitement or for treasonous statements, um, the DSS too released a very frivolous, you know, statement, kind of clearly directed at um, um, Peter B. Yeah. This something has been injected into, and and it's so fascinating to watch. And I, I don't want to get your thoughts on this, like just on the propaganda element of it, the insertion of this word interim government into the discourse. It just came from nowhere. <laughs> and has now dominated the conversation. Yeah. It's, it's this idea, and, and nobody's taking a step back to think about what an interim government could actually look like. 
and consider the possibility or the fact that it's only the government in power or only those who have access to the levers of power that can install or set up an interim government. There is no way an interim government can be started by Peter B. Like, what do you make of like this, this interim government and the way the narrative has shifted from the criminality of INEC and the criminality of APC to the potential for uprising and treason and interim government and how it's not a conversation of peace and calm and, you know, protecting the safety. Like, the narrative has shifted, basically. Yeah, and that's what I always told you. That was that's the risk that Peter Obi couldn't take because he he was he's up against a machine. And you asked the question, how is it that the narrative has changed? There's a well oiled, well paid, well orchestrated machine. Now, if you look at it, the keepers of secrets all of a sudden are the ones who are propagating the secrets, you know. So the secret services are usually supposed to, you know, keep things secret. All of a sudden they're exposing plots. Um on Twitter, no less. And if you look at it from, allegedly, if you look at it from the point of view of post-petition, um, one thing that this tells me is that there's actually substance to Peter Obi's petition. That's what they uh, should tell people. Yes. Right? Um, the reaction, if it had been blasé, you know, you're only, you only react to something that bothers you, Right. Um, I use the expression of a mosquito biting on your arm and then you slap your arm. So if there was nothing there, you wouldn't scratch your arm, you wouldn't slap your arm. This mosquito, this annoying pest of Labour Party, he's not going anywhere anytime soon. And I think one thing I always said to you was justice has to be done, but more importantly sometimes, justice has to be seen to be done. And one thing that Peter Obi's chosen path, you've disagreed at points on how he should have filled the narrative and things like that. He's he's not really giving them anything that they can attack him with in terms of his actions in real life. Now, you asked where this interim government came from. It's a fabrication as well. As far as we know, it's a fabrication. The closest thing I can see, and those who are not of a Nigerian persuasion, Nigerians have developed very creative imaginations. That's why we're so good at music, at the arts, at movies. Nigerians can think up some scenarios that you would not even think possible. Now, follow me through with this. There was a prophecy that became very popular. I only, be- I only became aware of it after the elections, actually. But in that prophecy, it, 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 it said things like um, Peter Obi would lose the, would actually win, but would not be announced by INEC. He would cry on TV, which he has done. A number of other milestones were pointed. But another thing said something about him, there was also talk of obviously about Peter B being arrested. And then there was a mention of an interim government. And for me, that publicly is the first time I heard of an interim government. Now I've gone to look, Peter B has never mentioned anything like that. Dati has never mentioned anything like that. It's never been in the discourse in terms of if you go and look chronologically at leading up to the elections, because everybody kind of took their sides. Those who believed that Peter Obi was a social media president never took him seriously. They never saw a future beyond the 25th of February for him. So what interim government, there was, that was never a serious discussion or never a discussion at all. So the first time I hear of this is in this prophecy. Now, if we take the way things happen in Nigeria, it's often the sublime to the ridiculous. The, the, the Nigerians have the ability to take what you don't believe. I saw um, five individuals or so pushing a monorail in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. A monorail, a monorail. For those who don't know, is a train. <laughs> is 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 a train. Um, what's it called? Uh, train you know, series of train carriages being pushed. Now, if I told you that in the US, that, okay, some people were pushing the Amtrak in Philly, right? Between this junction and this junction, you'd be like, nah. Uh, like, but in Nigeria, it happened. And so, suspend your belief for a second. In the social media wars and the battle, you have to understand that Peter Obi was winning the social media war all through the election. What APC have since the election realized is that, okay, and they did this with GRV as well for the Lagos State elections, 
a narrative has to be countered. And this is where I'll give you your flowers. If you allow a particular zone to remain on, so if this this seeded kind of social media to, because social media was, you know, there was, Tinubu was being, you know, mocked left, right, and center. Yeah. You know, the APC were being lambasted. Labour Party was sensitizing people, telling them how to vote, what to look out for. So they, they kind of seeded the social media battle because they didn't, again, in Nigerian style, they didn't really give much credence to it. So it was kind of like, let them have that area. It's not even going to affect. But when they actually saw the results of the 25th of February, it shocked them. And they realized, okay, okay, now we need to mobilize online. And I think that's what we've seen, to answer your question. I mean, but like, but like it's, it's not like it's not like they're mobilizing for, for votes. I, I read it as more them creating a permission structure for what they want to do. Yeah. Because because the, the, the whole idea of an interim government, you know, it gets at the heart of what's in dispute right now, which is the election and the transition from a Buhari government to a Tinubu government. Um, and so in, in the world where, you know, the case was in progress or the case was, you know, there was some, some dispute basically about who was supposed to be sworn in, that what would happen then, maybe in that vacuum, Peter Obia and supporters would install or institute an interim government. But we are a law-abiding country. The constitution makes provision for what happens if there is not a vice, if there's not a president or vice president. The Senate president steps in, being the third, you know, most senior person in the country. So this idea of an interim government, it's, uh, as you say, it's a complete fabrication, but it's meant to, I think, lay the groundwork for violent suppression of any protest um, because it's going hand in hand with this idea to paint Peter Obi as a tribal or religious you know, um, bigot. They have absolutely no answers to any of the claims made by Labour Party in the petition. They have not. Um, that, that's, that's, and I think that's the key thing that a lot of people... It's a strong case. This, that petition is stronger than anyone ever actually thinks. And this is what I said about the judiciary. They might surprise you in so far as if they declare the rules to be unfair, then all bets are off. Because they don't, what people have fixated on is that, oh, Obi must get back his mandate. Obi must get back his mandate. But that actually doesn't necessarily have to happen for, because I've, I've always said, I thought that a rerun was always the likeliest kind of, you know, and a rerun can take many forms. We can look at specific states. They might declare that, okay, X, Y, Z states have to go again. And under that kind of of, um, microscope, where you've gone to court, you've said, go to court, go to court, right? And Obi has done all those things. It will be very difficult to rig because you have to look at it this way. Unless they change the law, BVAS would have to be properly implemented. It would now be very... Because on that day, a lot of people didn't understand how BVAS worked. This is the thing, another factor. They didn't know that the upload... They just took it for granted. It's like knowing that, oh, this thing will work like this. Mm. But you didn't know that there was a way that the thing could be circumvented. Now, the action has been exposed. Like, they've done... They've used that tactic now. They've turned off the servers or whatever it is that they did for the presidential election. Now, that will be one of the checklist things. This is what doing this petition means. Bringing things out to the open, light sanitizers. Like, when everything is out in the open, it's very difficult to subvert. There will still be attempts, no doubt. Don't get me wrong. This is this is Nigeria we're talking about. But the courts will now list all the things in such a scenario where they say, okay, we run 10 states for argument's sake now. Mm. They will be very clear. All the bivases will be checked. The problem, the problem, Dan, is that if if you read, if you read that petition, the part of the petition that actually deals with the meat and potatoes is the Uh part that has to do with INEC. Um, The twenty-five percent thing, subject to one lawyer versus another's interpretation, the um, the Shatima not being qualified to run that that is either a slam dunk. Or something that can be visualized. Wait, no, no. Because... Let me let, let me just jump in. Apologies, yeah. Because I think this is where we just don't know how it's gonna play out. We can't pick and choose. I mean you can opine. I, no, nothing no, that, that's opine. that's what I'm doing. That, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm opining. You don't know what the court is. No, no, I'm 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 opining and I'm saying that like the twenty five percent thing 
up for FCT is one lawyer's interpretation versus another's. The Shetima being qualified to run or not. INEC already being the commission who decides whether somebody is eligible to run. I think already in by allowing these people to run and foreseeing the election through, already um, answered the questions for point one and point two. That is whether or not Tindibo is disqualified by virtue of his drug assets for future case in the US or whether Shetima is qualified to run by virtue of the fact that he was on the ballot as um, a, a senatorial candidate at the same time as being um, vice presidential candidate. The, the, the third part of the petition, the part that has to do with INEC, that's where the meat of the accusations are. The part that has to do with, oh, numbers were changed here. Oh, this wasn't uploaded the way it was supposed to there. Oh, um, receipts were not provided here. That's what LP has filed in their petition. Now, as I said in our last conversation and the conversation before the last one, many of LP's claims are subject to them being able to review INEC materials. So you can have a situation where the court rules only on what is available because the only way LP can make their case is if the court grants them an accommodation to either force INEC to provide more materials or if by some miracle the court rules in LP's favor by virtue of what is existing. But LP needs to make their case stronger in order to get, you know, the desired outcome. So the courts can shut it down there and then. And the land work, the land, as in the groundwork has already been, been laid, basically, by people like Kiyambo and the APC crowd, by staging an obedient on, on a plane, you know, screaming, obedience, obedience, rise up, let's take some, some stupid like that, by having some fake, you know, Labour Party, Igbo chief in Lagos, declare something by releasing some fake audio between Peter B and uh, Bishop Redekwo. APC is laying the groundwork Absolutely. basically um, to, to brand Peter B and the obedience as insurrectionists so that when the court gives a frivolous judgment, because the DSS in their statements, their statements which read like a political statement, refer to frivolous court cases. So, like, do you understand? Like, it, it's basically it's basically them saying that you people are doing your own. All this one people are doing, you are doing your own. Again, you talk, you are talking. Again, I said this. They're setting this ground why because they realize that even if the judiciary comes up with something that's, like I say, anybody hoping for oh a Peter will be mandated, that's not going to be the outcome. That's not going to be the outcome. What they're setting the ground for is, and this is why Peter Obi's demeanor is so important. His ability to really cool down the quality and not give them a reason. And I stand by this. And I said that before. Because Peter Obi's calculations to me, to this point, are still correct. Because imagine if we had insurrections right now. There would be accusations that those protests are influencing the outcome of the case. Like, at the moment, they're, fight, they're trying to draw them out. They're trying to draw out obedience. That's what they're trying to do. And obedience just need to bide their time. Because if the court comes out and says, like I think is more likely, most of the results here were good. Most of the results here were okay. These results, however, need to be blah, 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 blah. Because the evidence that has been submitted, and it's even been agreed by like PDP. Now, this is why I think... PDP is the kind of factor that one needs to always remember here. and we, we always tend to forget because obviously it's not really considered that their candidates, you know, is a viable mm. alternative. They have corroborated a lot of LP's figures in these key areas. It is very difficult now for the, because it's almost like the courts will see it. It's different from INEC. This one is different from someone in a room in a collation center somewhere in Lagos, in a darkly, dimly lit room. This is all being brought to the national center. PDP are corroborating LP's figures. It clearly doesn't match up with IREV. The court has to say it doesn't match up. There's no way to doctor that at that level. So that's why I'm saying, like, the situation that we'll end up with is a situation where ultimately... And it depends if they get to their decision on time because May the 29th ain't that far away. Like, if you look at that's 60 days or counting, we're already down to 58 days. So when you look at it, I think that the narrative being created by the APC is to try and draw up the obedience. And if the obedience starts engaging, there will be excuse for force being used against them. 
there'll be excuse for a delay of some kind of form, which then allows the inauguration to go ahead. Because so, I mean, I mean, there, there, there's a world where you know this tactically is the correct way to approach it. So don't take the bait, keep silent, blah yeah. blah blah. Yeah. Um, but you know, but every 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 step that they take back, every, every retreat Peter will be makes that space he vacates is being blown up and made unusable by right. APC. And and what, what what I mean by that is that they are, they are clipping the opposition's wings and opposition's ability to be an opposition. In many ways, so you're saying, okay, don't protest because by protest you're giving it to them. Um, they are also saying, don't watch how you talk about us on TV because otherwise, like they find channels now. Um, so channels will think twice about who they have on, first and foremost. Um, and, and, and if anybody comes on, they cannot express too much disagreement in, in what is going on because otherwise they risk being fined. So, so where, where is your position now supposed to live in the courts? Um, when, and, and then when they bamboozle you in the courts, you cannot talk too much about it because the court's word is final. And if you disagree with the court, then you're inciting insurrection or, or you're trying to, you're trying to destroy the country. As in, so like you, you, you're, you're being boxed off. And, and when you say attack is the best form of defense. That's a reason for for a reason. Um, the, the the defense strategy works only if you have Cristiano Ronaldo up front and you can do quick counter attack. But I don't see it. I, I don't I don't see the counter attack coming from 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 LP. Okay, okay. I, I still think it's the best course of attack because I think you have to consider the context, the prevailing context for me. You just keep making my point because I I just see that in a situation where the ruling party has functions of the state. That's what it is. They have the organs of the state and they're able to exert pressure on certain things. There will never be a lack of um, publicity for LP. If LP, LP just needs to go and set up a YouTube channel. That's, that, that, that's, why, that's why I disagree with you vehemently. Who the YouTube channel will help? Even if Patrick Water, you have 30,000 views, who your YouTube I'm channel will help? Saying, I'm just saying, if they um, get one off... Um, LP, LP needs to call... The APC's bluff. So if you're okay. saying what's because your, what's of your because of action, and please also then, include, let me include the likely um, consequences. Let, let me lay it out because we cannot we cannot run away from the consequences. And and this is something that I keep saying. You cannot handshake, yes sir, my lord, your honor, your way out of the situation that you have. This government is not supposed to work for Nigerians. It is a means of livelihood for a select group of people. They are not going to give it up because of any legalese or English that you speak. Now, the same way that APC is calling, you know, trying to force people's hand to say, okay, go and protest now, we dare you. I think we need to call their bluff too and protest. I think people need to be willing to face the consequences. That's, that's why I said if Peter B is not the person to lead this moment, I don't understand why Peter B has not done any rally after, after the election. As in, you, 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 you need to keep you need to keep you need to keep the movements. That's what I'm saying. You need to keep the movements energized. You need to keep people like because it's a battle of attention spans. It's a battle of narratives, basically. Now the vacuum, like I said, the vacuum that Peter Obi has left, APC is filling it, pumping it, and they have an advantage. What does Peter Obi have? All Peter Obi has is the support of the masses, basically. So people need to see and feel on the streets. That's one, Peter Obi is not just one of the boys. He doesn't accept this nonsense. That he's fighting. And that people don't buy into the bullshit. Because everyone is afraid. People are afraid. You know, they, they see that Dati on TV. They hail him. But then they see that channels has been fine. And that Dati is nowhere to be found. They see that, like, you know, APC is working overtime to spread certain propaganda. Where is that guy? He's not saying anything. He's relying on the court. Even if he's relying on the court, let him go and say that I'm relying on the court's message to a crowd full of people so that they will cheer. Hey, I'm waiting for the court too. Like, I think it, so it, so it, for you, you just want to... politics. See, you want to see Peter Obi at the front of a protest um, crowd. I, right? I, I want to see Peter Obi energizing Nigerians, keeping Nigerians energized, keeping his, in such keeping his desire. I, I, quite frankly, I do not care. Like um, I, I don't, I don't see how. And I think no, that's where you're disconnected from reality. No, because it. because Peter Obi wants to eat his cake and have it now. That's what I'm saying. If if he wants to do yes, my yes, sir, and how do you do type of politics in Nigeria, then is is a failure. 
and it's going to fail. I, th- I think you're missing context here. And but if he's serious, me, then he needs to do what he needs to do. Let me explain this to you. Peter B is a billionaire. Um, a millionaire in pounds and dollars, probably a multi-millionaire in pounds and dollars, um, euros, any other currency, but a billionaire in Nigeria. He might, might even be a billionaire in, in, um, in pounds. The reason I say that is because, and I've always said this to you, I think you have an ideological endpoint that you wanted this movement to get to. Um, and you have to understand that Peter B is just a figurehead. I've always said to you, he's a very he's just a very cool taking on the ideas, the hopes and dreams, right, of every well-meaning Nigerian. Peter B does not he didn't sign up to be Nelson Mandela. He did not sign up to be a martyr. And whilst he wants to be president, I don't believe that he would put himself into harm's way unnecessarily. And when we say harm's way, we mean a situation where he's the one that incites a situation where they arrest him. Now, if they decide that, okay, they're collapsing goodwill, meaning sense, and they want to connive a reason to arrest him, that's a whole different reason. But for him to be the reason why he's arrested, he doesn't strike me as that kind of individual. He seems, mm. He's quite smart, he's quite calculated, quite considered. Now, I'm saying to you, and I've said this to you before, what you might need is a different kind of revolutionary. I am a revolutionary. Not, not what I might need. No, no, what I'm saying, I'm Nigeria to, needs. I'm speaking to you now. It's not it's not it's not just about me now because because you're you're, you're you're making it about like you're making it about like my ideological objective. My ideological objective is for Nigeria to be free from the clutches of the Tinubu and there's two kinds. Um and I I'm not just personalizing against you. I'm also putting myself as the other kind of view where it's like slow and steady. I still think this is the best course because I think Peter Obi understands the way Nigeria works intrinsically as it is now, not how we wish it to be, how it is now. And mm. that is why he's acted the way he has. You are not wrong. And you're, the proposed part that you're saying may well have had a lot of traction, but at what cost? And if Peter Obi had gone into protesting, and you know what protesting brings? Protesting brings people into clash with another. I did not say protest too. I said, I said, I don't see why PW has not done any rally since. Okay. He's a, rally- a politician. People want to, people want to listen and hear him speak. He's done he's, rallies in the past. I, I, I would say he's he's done rallies in the past. Gather get, get well, your supporters and charge them up. Get some coverage in the news. The negative, okay, rally pre-election, you you will agree, has a different flavor to rally post-election because you see. And this is one of the bad habits that I guess Nigeria has taken from abroad. The idea that you don't challenge the results once it's been confirmed. Obviously, in similar climes where the result is proven to be transparent and the process is somewhat agreed upon and people feel like, okay, we can accept this result. We don't like it, but people voted and we, we saw that people voted one way or another. Then it's not an issue. But for them, the APC... They can't have that transparency because everybody knows what happened on 25th of February. We know there was wild, wild, wild figures <laughs> being, being drawn up. So I just think that Peter B is looking at it from the point of view of he needs an arm. And you'd be surprised. There's an arm. There's, there's portions within the apparatus that because of his chosen course of action will still say, let's be fair to Peter B. Because, like I said to you, the petition tribunal so far has done its job. Let's look. Let's actually look at it. They've actually done their job till date. I don't, I don't see what's world. I'm just sorry. I don't. I don't see what's world because because it's as if it's as if again I'm speaking a different a different language from you. But I just think that no. But if look at the statements released. Look at the statements released by the Department of State Service, the Secret Service for Nigeria, refer to the suits challenging the you know election outcome as frivolous that is the department of state service taking a side that is that is them effectively telling nigerians that you can only talk about the election outcome in a way that we approve of on under what circumstance would would the courts now validate the the dirty theory of the case in what world do you see a court validating the Peter B theory of the case? 
How? That's Where right. is such an outcome not, waiting, waiting to come out from? I agree with you. There's not going to be any, oh, they were they won outright. You're not going to get that. You're not, it's not going to happen. No, even but, anything but a rubber stamp of Tinubu's victory. I'll be curious to see if they can split the hair. I would be curious. I, I think they would. But anything other than a rubber stamp of Tinubu's victory validates our theory of the case. And I don't see a world in which the ruling party allows that to happen. That's where the protest will be most effective, I think. You see, because... <laughs> or, at least, or at least effective. So they can say they cut us a road. So, as in, so at that point in time, at that point in time, uh, your, your protestations can truly, truly be insurrectionist. Because the court has said, the court, the final body has said something. So you're, you're now going against the court as well. See, no, the court, the court is supposed to be independent. INEC is supposed to be independent. But all these bodies respond to outside external political pressure. That is the pressure that Dati was trying to put on people. Uh-huh. But Peter B is not matching his energy. And the movement is, is, is disjointed. So Kenneth Okonko is releasing one statement today saying that, oh, actually, the audio is legitimate. Whereas Peter B camp is three another aspect person is is you know denying denying the legitimacy of the um audio recording of which that audio self um, is is a whole other kettle of fish because one we don't know if it's real even if even if it is real you know i think people are saying that it wasn't ai generated so you can run it through some ai software and it's not actually ai it could be their voices but it's chopped up oh. in di- in different places so yeah. these, these these are the lengths that these people are willing to go to, and you know once people are not willing, Nigerians are not going to think so far as to examine. Okay, where is the provenance of this thing? Who benefits from this thing being released? Where could this have come from? A recording, because you know usually if there's a leaked recording of a phone call, usually it means one person on one end of the call was recording it, or somebody that was listening. Yeah. Um, so maybe somebody was trying to cover their ass or somebody was trying to implicate somebody else. But in this case, who either Peter B or Bishop Oedipo could have been recording something? That leaves the NCC, the Communication Commission, um, the, the body that regulates the airwaves, the, the telecom companies, allegedly. If if the, the thumb is so on the scale, the thumb is so on the scale that the that the NCC themselves is even getting involved in releasing selectively releasing audios. And Nigerians, once Nigerians hear that oh the audio is real, that is that's all they're interested in. They're not going to take the next step to say, okay, even if this audio is real, it's necessarily how this conversation went. Was somebody chopping and screwing and leaving parts out and all of that? Mm-hmm. So like there, there is no external pressure coming from anyone. All Peter B is doing is being on the defensive. Because you have to, because he's because he's Jesus Christ, Abby, and 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 you you will be you will be so meek that eventually you reap the I don't know the kingdom of heaven or, or what what that that's the vision that it seems to be that humble yourself, humble yourself, humble yourself. Eventually, by 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 virtue of your good, you know, behavior, good things will come to you. I don't know if I agree that that's how the world works. Though. I mean, I hear you. I understand your point of view. I understand your frustrations because um, this, you know, that's the whole setup for for supporters to feel like there's no there's no hope really, that there's no way out. And I think ultimately, what I would say is this: at some point, there will be mobilization. I can't say when. And I think the reason why you almost have to let the process take its course is because Peter B has decided that he's going to court, and that's the path that he has chosen, rightly or wrongly. Now, to your point, there can be pressure put if there's an kind of in advance of any decision, if the public show that, okay, we want a particular outcome. Essentially, that's what it is, right? The public are saying, don't you dare push for what we consider to be the wrong outcome, what everyone knows to have happened. But I think that there's, I don't know what the appetite really is to hit the streets. Is there enough, because we've already started to see some in Nasarawa 
Um, there were some demonstrations, um, I believe, mm. in rivers as well. But those are like local, I think, pertaining to like the governorship to governorship prison and that. Yeah. yeah, there's nothing like you know happening on on the national level. Well, but let's look at them, you know. And you said something about nothing happening on the national level. There's an extra layer of risk when you start to do national levels of coordinated. It goes beyond. Oh, it was uh, like what Atiku did in Abuja, which is kind of like a spontaneous thing. We just go. When you start coordinating, then you're giving them uh, the, the security apparatus. They'll start saying that it was planned. It was some sort of... And to your point, you would say, and so what? Let's go. But, it doesn't, but you're, you're dealing with... You're <laughs> dealing with... The ground. You're dealing with bad faith people. You, you're dealing with bad faith people. And yeah. there, so th- there is no... There is no way you can frame it that they'll, that, that, that they'll be like, oh, okay, you guys got us, you know. We, we we can't trump up any charges against you now. The, the the very point is that they will find a reason to knock the to knock you guys down. And Peter B does not come have to come out and say, you know, we want the court to to produce a certain outcome, or we want the court to produce a, a desired outcome or an outcome that we favor, because then they can rightly say he's trying to pressure the court. All mm-hmm. he needs to ask for is for the court to instruct INEC to release the materials. Tell Ainek to stop stonewalling. He, as in, this, this is where po- political strategy comes in. Have a focused, targeted message that everyone in your campaign is going out to come and drum up on TV. But they already tried that now. No, they, they are t- they're all over the place. They are reacting. Today, they are reacting to this new story of obedience on the plane. Tomorrow, they are reacting to the audio. Next, tomorrow, they are reacting to, to DSS statements. This one, they are reacting to in proto- interim government. Like, they, they, they're constantly reacting. And their stories are not coherent or they're not straight. And it's because, like you said, like I said, Peter B doesn't have, I guess, like the, the political chops. He is riding a wave, a wave that exists independent of Peter B. Yeah. A wave that exists before I, him. I, I, I can't stress that him enough. And that would exist after, after him. And I cannot stress that enough. I feel like a lot of people don't actually realize like that that's, <laughs> that's a big factor. Like, Peter B as it is moment is is he's he's a vehicle for for a lot of well-made Nigerians and and their hopes and dreams. So, and I think that that has to be considered. That that that's that's a that's a strong strong part of um, why he would and he has taken the actions that he has. So, yeah, I think let's wait and see. Um, how things progress. Um, I don't know if the, the appetite to go the route you're saying is there. Um, maybe there are people in the background who would, with some yeah. more vocation, you know. What, 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 what I'm doing is analyzing the landscape as I see it. Um, I don't expect anyone to actually heed my call. I don't expect to have any influence on the decision-making of the PTLB campaign. But as I see the landscape, as I see what is going on, um, it is a mistake, I believe, to approach it the way Peter B and Labour Party is doing. Um, you cannot, again, I repeat, you cannot conference and handshake your way out of what is going, mm. what's going on. The Nigerian government needs to be shamed. The only thing they respond to is shame. They don't respond to goodwill. They don't respond to you know good arguments, legalese, nothing. The only thing they respond to is shame. An external shame, um, and people have to be willing to take to take risks um, for that. There was a time in this country where it was understood, um, but you know now people have had like apathy. I mean, it, I, I don't, and, and you know we talk about the generation that come that came before us, you know, our parents' generation, and how you know, maybe they failed because they've grown kind of like just used to everything that's going on, and I, I can understand how they could have gotten their way. Yeah. Because as I'm, as I'm just looking at like everything that's happening, just how hard these guys are working to change the subject, to change the subject completely from the failures of INEC to distractions and non-stories. And it's working. And the reason why it's working is because they are more effective politically at getting their message out than the, than the Labour Party. I mean, it's... it's uh, def- yeah, the point you make about previous generations, you can certainly understand why they they became apathetic um, and kind of accepted the status quo. It's um, somewhat demoralizing, but yeah, 
listeners, do let us know what you think. Um, let us know your thoughts on the Labour Party course of action. Do you agree? Do you think, like Statesman X says, there needs to be more um, proactive um, decisions made, steps taken, um, narrative reclaimed? Um, do you think kind of the current course of action is perhaps the best under the current circumstances in the context of Nigeria and the ruling party um, being in charge of the apparatus of state? So let us know what you think. Um, and we'll see you on the next episode of the pod. Please do share, like, comment. Big up, big up. Thank you for listening. And we've been How We See Things. Peace.